how blatantly obvious? Give yourself enough time and the permission to heal, number one. Um, I don't want to pull it towards like men are taught to suppress their emotions because plenty of women do it too. It's not some sexist thing or some, you know, polarized thing. Um, but truly giving yourself the space, the time, because again, we're so distracted by work. We're so distracted by our phones. We're so distracted by fitting and being enough that again, the, the torch is constantly out there. We're wondering why we're so caught up and so this and feeling this way. So it was just a case of giving myself permission to shine the torch inwards and heal those wounds. What is up, everyone? I am Lachlan Samuel, and this is the Open Up Podcast, the show where real people open up and share real stories of struggle. Just good to roll with it. I'm born ready, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you know me, mate. Sweet. Someone asked to an Eskimo. <laughs> Talk my head off. Welcome back to the Open Up Podcast, everyone. It's episode 75 with the sexy Mitchell Vicarage. Oh. Bro, thanks for doing this. Thanks, buddy. Really good to have you. Very Boy. nice smile. What, what was the thank you, what was the um uh the first episode we did? What number was it? Uh, maybe 31 or something. Over 10? Okay, oh, okay. it's later than I thought. Okay. Yeah. Could um, be back. Something like that. But in in the first episode, you pretty much covered like your physical ailments. Can you just give everyone like a quick summary of what we the spoke elevator about? Pitch. Yeah, just, just briefly, you know, the story that I'm hearing more and more and more again now is that people were um, experienced a symptom of XYZ. We naturally go to the doctors, um, and this is not a bash on anything. I'm just telling the story. Um, you get told something, and you believe it because you know you're tr- you're putting your trust into the person that tells you something about your symptom. And for me, it was quote unquote Crohn's disease, and and just going the back and forth story for seven years of in and out of the system, being super observant to see how this thing works, and uh, just complete lies, and and you know also not taking on my responsibility. I take full responsibility for. What I had to take responsibility for. And that ultimately led down just a massive health deterioration to the point that I came to my near-death experience several times. Um, you know, lost a lot of people, hurt a lot of people, had to face my shit, um, was saved by emergency life-saving surgery, and just had to decide, like, step up and lean in or, or continue to be a victim. Um, I don't think I ever played full victim card. Like, I always had, think, had a strong sense of, of resilience, and that probably stemmed from bodybuilding. But then ultimately, once I had that surgery, it was a very much upwards direction, um, aligned, authentic, just honest uh, journey of back to health, which is encompassed in so many facets. You know, health is not one thing. It's not reductionist. It is a complete package. So here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Cool, man. So what did you actually go through like with that in terms of uh, like physical ailment? Oh, well, pain like you wouldn't imagine. It was funny. I was talking to a woman and... She said, um, it wouldn't be nothing like childbirth. And I said, I would agree, except when I was on the forums looking for, you know, oh, where's, where's the cure and what do I do? Um, she, there were plenty of people, mothers that had Crohn's and they would say, I would rather be birth to 10 children than have the pain of Crohn's. So extreme pain right in your gut. You may as well get a, a big steel pole burning in fire or coals and just jab it right in you constantly. Um, pending the location to um, blood, bleeding, lots of blood. <laughs> Lots of blood loss, so lots of iron deficiency anemia, a lot of blood transfusions and iron infusions, a lot of immune suppressant drugs, a lot of cytotoxic drugs. You know, it went through the whole kit and caboodle, a six flag roller coaster, heart down, left, right, in between, and uh, just woke up one day and said, Enough's enough, and took full responsibility. It's awesome, bro. So yeah. you said at the start that you've got no gut. I don't, <laughs> um, I must be missing something here. Yeah, okay, so. <laughs> Again, you know, I could talk for hours. We'd be till midnight if we wanted to. But just, just real quick, in a nutshell, um, I when I had the life-saving surgery, if anyone wants to go on a, an anatomy chart, basically where the part of your small intestine ends and arrives at the cecum or the ileocecal valve, that part moving into your ascending, transverse, and descending colon, which is known as our large intestine, uh, that was just completely decimated. That there was perforations all through. It was completely just thick, riddled with polyps, cysts just blood, you name it. It was just dead tissue. It was necrotic. So that had to come out. 
I got a bag for a year yep. that I wore by the last then part of my, what's called the sigmoid colon before it becomes your rectum before out you go. And uh, that healed up. And then 12 months later, which was only last November, I then had the surgery where they connected the last part of the small intestine to the sigmoid colon. And uh, you know, anatomically speaking, our gut microbiome lives primarily in our large intestine. You don't want a lot of bacteria uh, in your small intestine. That's why people, um, if their ileocecal valve has some dysfunction or there's some gnarly things going on, bacteria can get up into the small intestine and we call that small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or SIBO. So having no gut microbiome, I literally mean I have no gut microbiome, which is just incredible because you know, you have so many scientists saying it, it does X, Y, Z, it does this, it, you know, produces tons of serotonin or it um, houses, you know, the gut-brain axis and our enteric nervous system, all these things. And since this surgery and taking just absolute ownership of understanding the basics of anatomy and physiology, physiology because the more I know, I'm like, Jesus, how stupid am I? No, nothing. Um, but yeah, there's essentially no gut there. There's no housing of, you know, trillions of bacteria. So again, here we are, a bit of a case study, a bit of a guinea pig just experimenting on myself and just enjoying good health. But yeah, I don't have a gut microbiome. Um, sorry, I'm going to keep going along this line, man, just because I want to know you, personally. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. I'm sure I'm sure the people do too. They just got Michael Jackson popcorn just going, what? <laughs> this dude has a gut microbiome. Uh, what, what have you found the most beneficial? And I'm asking this just because I know you personally and I know that you're in really good shape and the fact that you're so self-aware and so connected like in terms of consciousness and that sort of stuff. What was the most effective thing? Yeah, what are the most effective things that you've used to help you? Yeah, I like those most effective things because, again, you just can't isolate one variable. Um, again, everything in a holistic sense, everything from starting with your stress because you can pretty much say – in a grand sense, I can hear people yapping, but in a grand sense, most of our dis-ease comes from some form of stress, whether it's emotional stress, physiological stress, mental stress, whatever it may be. So just minimizing, really just self-auditing, going, where is the unnecessary stress in my life? Because stress is super useful when it needs to be. Um, you know, it's again, this compass of in the middle, this homeostasis, right? And if we're pulling the compass one way, where most people are with it's they're over-caffeinated, they're overworked, they're overstressed, they're taking on too much, they've got to be more, do more, hustle, grind, you know? Mitigating all that, that's first and foremost, just really understanding where your stress levels are at, um, what triggers it, you know, what, what is triggering, you know, we talk about being triggered, but what triggers us and what stresses us. Um, so that's more like a metaphysical non-quantifiable stuff. I would say in terms of food, you know, really avoiding in a healing phase, especially for people with irritable bowel disease that are listening to this, you know, I would say in my opinion now, forget the name that you've been labeled with. You just have a damaged gut. And if you're bleeding, you have lesions. Imagine them just on the outside of your body. You would not put harsh fibrous foods through an intestine, which by the way, when I had a stoma, I was able to see peristaltic contractions. Let me tell you, Ugh. those things are hardcore. Your intestines go stiff. So as food's moving through, they are pressing so all those lipids, amino acids, and carbohydrates can get into the villi to be pulled in through what's called the intestinal lumen into the bloodstream or, or the lymphatic system for lipids uh, off to the liver. So if you're having harsh, harsh, harsh foods like raw vegetables, nuts and seeds, things like that, you are basically putting sandpaper on your lesions, right? So really individual context. You've got to understand what foods are not going to further damage your gut but can still provide the maximum yield nutrition with the minimal digestive stress. So that'll be number two, more the physical side. And then look, everything else in between, you know, anti-inflammatory or, or stress-reducing modalities, things like ice baths, um, meditation, breath work was huge, especially for the people that are holding a lot of like pain and shame and guilt in, in their center. Like, you know, you can ask someone in a meditation, where do you hold your shame? No one's gonna say here, like no one holds it in their brain, even though they might be a prisoner of their mind. Most people hold their shame around their gut um, or they feel at their area. Um, so, you know, breathing and meditation and really stimulating because if we're in that stressed out state, we're in the sympathetic dominance, this chronic low grade fight or flight consistently. Um, so shifting that more again with the compass to more of a parasympathetic, which is our rest and digest state of healing, of regeneration, you know? Um, so I'd say they're probably the three main staple things. There's obviously a lot of nuances and little idiosyncrasy things that I do, uh, but that on the whole in a grandiose sense, I would say was the most beneficial. Awesome, Metaphysical stress or emotional stress and unnecessary stress, 
and then physical stress that's injuring or damaging the gut to eliminate and you know either blend or smoothies, soups, things like that. But whatever you need to do to soften the food. Sweet. Yeah. Okay, from here, I think we'll go into your story. But first, I want to ask or I want to know, um, could you describe the way that you view yourself as a man and or human? <laughs> Come on, what kind of questions that? <laughs> um, well, I want to know what I, you think of yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, well, again, this, I invite everyone to do this, right? Look at yourself in the mirror naked for 10 minutes. See how that scares the shit oh, out of you. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> You know, obviously, my identity here is Mitchell Vickers. It's the name I was being given. Um, I'm now 28 years old. I'm a male, obviously, and I live in this certain place, and I'm just on this little journey, you know, looking out through my perspective and my lens. Um, but in reality, you know, we're all I. You would say a sentence saying I. So everyone listening is I. So this is where we go into more of a collective. I see myself more as one with all, you know, um, as cliche and hippies it may sound, it's still relevant. We are individual fragments. I see myself as an individual fragment of the collective. We are all here for the same. I posted this on my Instagram story today. We're all here for the same reasons. We yearn love, compassion. We want to grow. We want to contribute. I'm here for the same reason you are and everyone else listening. I'm just in this, as you would call it, meat suit. <laughs> Living out this game, playing this game, if you will. You know, it's this, it, this level. Yeah. Uh, you might as well just dive straight into your story. And I think we want to start. Do you think it's better to start with the relationship stuff or? Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, okay. whatever, man. I'm, I'm organic. Let's, let's, yeah. Cool. Let's get so into what it. Going, what do you want to do specifically? <laughs> <laughs> well, knowing you personally, I've seen like the transition, um, especially when we spoke for the first episode, you're very, very hesitant to talk about your relationship. And then now you're at a point where you're very comfortable yeah. Um, speaking about it so I'd love to know the transition from then to now and like what's happened in between yeah and I mean how blatantly obvious give yourself enough time and the permission to heal number one um, I don't want to pull it towards like men are taught to suppress their emotions because plenty of women do it too it's not some sexist thing or some you know polarized thing um, but truly giving yourself the space the time because again we're so distracted by work we're so distracted by our phones we're so distracted by fitting in and being enough that again, the, the torch is constantly out there. And we're wondering why we're so caught up and so this and feeling this way. So it was just a case of giving myself permission to shine the torch inwards and heal those wounds and, and learn the lessons. Um, simple as that. I'm perfect. I sit here first on the hand, hand up and say, I fuck up because so do you and so does everyone else. And a little bit of humble pie goes a long way. And I just had to give that to myself and honor my shame, honor my guilt. Um, honor the person I was had a former relationship with and I was so proud of us like we did a lot of healing even apart like we still being Perth too <laughs> still came together and did a lot of healing and um, we've grown like you know I, I completely unconditionally love everything that I went through completely unconditionally love uh, Lauren for, for everything every experience we had and uh, I'm here now you know um, it's just it's, it's it's all a game play the game and enjoy it <laughs> in for the um, rides still play are you able to touch on like how that broke down so we can get an understanding of how much you actually healed um considering like where you're at now yeah you know what i'm gonna like backtrack and then circumvent i, I spoke to two um uh, middle-aged women in their 50s that both had beautiful marriages one thing i was married for like 32 years and she had just said you know i haven't had the most amazing marriage i couldn't ask for more we, we basically never fight of course we have disagreements but we we don't put our shit on other people and we have a very healthy relationship she said the one time that nearly ruined us was when my father uh, my father my husband had bladder cancer or a sickness and that one was the same thing i forget now but it was the same thing and you know what of course it's going to you know have a major major impact and anyone in a relationship right now that's listening to this will understand the exact same thing sickness is not fun it teaches you a shitload about yourself but it is not fun it's not the experience anyone's going to sign up for so you know i had to work through that guilt and shame as well when i you know finished the relationship as like completely let this person down like i wasn't able to take care of them they had to be hyper masculine because i couldn't step into my role like, there was no protection there's no trust there's no certainty and stability you know what do you fucking expect um and the choices had to be made that like net negative net benefit ratio um there's only two ways you can go because the space in between, and I mention this often, the, the suffering is completely, mostly, but otherwise completely intentional. 
Um, pain is inevitable. People have to realise. Absolutely, you're going to go through pain in life. That's that's the, the big game. But the suffering generally happens because you're sticking between two points of either leaving the situation, changing the situation, or surrendering to the situation where you're just completely impartial to it. So just the totality of that sickness, us being kids, you know, we're young in love, um, definitely being in each other's egos, projecting shit like the usual that we all go through. Um, but realistically, the biggest part of that sickness, I imagine, had a catastrophic effect on, on the relationship and, you know, uh, forever apologize, but but also equally forever grateful because I know there's lessons for me, there's lessons for her. And uh, ultimately, long term, we just keep this thing moving. It's awesome, man. It's beautiful. Very, very insightful. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I guess walk us through that story. Uh, for what, from start to finish? Yeah. And I'll just jump in um, okay, when I have any um, questions pop up. Yeah, easy. Look, I mean, it's not like this is some, like some crazy story. It's two kids fell madly in love. Um, I was already sick uh, prior to the relationship. I well, had actually been diagnosed that, oh, actually, man, I might have been like seven or eight months prior. I think it was February. I saw it was May. So into November, May, six months. Six months, I'd already kind of had the, the usual, the first time you have it, it's the worst because it's fine, the straw that breaks the camel's back. So the first time I had a symptom, um, you know, being involved in competitive bodybuilding and doing steroids and heaps of food and just living a lifestyle not conducive to health, duh, um, that's when I had my first major, major spell and I kind of got out of that. Um, I was just shoved with prednisone and corticosteroids and immunosuppressants and, and kind of masked that. And then we met about six months later. So the, the whole relationship, oh, well. like I've had that identity. Yeah, it didn't come later on. So, you know, Lauren was kind of like brought into that by accident with no, no word of her own. And I hold that responsibility of everything. I was doing my best in my mind, but naturally knowing now because everything's perfect in hindsight, that was a huge, um, a huge like compass of like, once we start the relationship, there's going to be some pretty big fucking red flags, you know? You know, there's me being in my ego, me not having a, a father as a role model in the way that I see myself now stepping into the polarized masculine and what that really means and how to show up and be your best and still be fallible. Um, you know, there was very little of that. There was there was some there, and especially in the early stage. I mean, you're madly in love. You've got rose-tinted glasses on. Um, but then, of course, reality hits where those glasses come off and the, the truer, or I say the deeper parts, um, come out, and this is why consistently showing up in your relationship and being honest, open, authentic, which I wasn't fully, of course, the majority was, um, uh, leads to absolute turmoil. It leads to the breakdown. It's like building a house on stilts, I say. It's like you can only walk around for so long, and those wooden struts can only hold you for so long before it gets a bit shaky, 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 and puts, and, and we break away. Um, again, through that, learning so much, being grateful for so much, having so many unforgettable experiences that I still think about to this day and still hold so dear to me. Uh, but this is the journey of evolution. And, and I was speaking to someone the other day about um, people that get so caught up in the past, whether it's just relationships or anything, like constantly pulled back into your traumas and your wounds and your past, is that the very same force that I'm looking at the ocean waves, the very same force that spins the earth, it doesn't stop. So as we get pulled away from like the eternal present flow, that distance creates more and more and more and more turmoil within us. So again, coming to the leading side of things, as that you know ended, there was just so many lessons to learn to then catch back up with and be in flow with kind of presence mm -hmm. and myself and, and life. Um, still love all of it, still love the whole <laughs> thing. It was a great, beautiful lesson and, and hold it dear to my heart unconditionally. That's awesome, man. Uh when so you're talking about you being sick prior to being in that relationship was it um would it have been evident to her that you were sick going into it yeah man i was so funny as soon as you mentioned this i knew straight away something popped up i remember uh we were training at, at the gym or something together for the first time prior to being together going our first date and i said like the day before i was in hospital i was just like yeah just get out of hospital or something like oh, oh it was I was already like really, you know, degenerate. My genetic profile coming in, a childhood of just fucking McDonald's and pizza and cookies and just crap. No wonder I lost my gut microbiome. Whoops. <laughs> so I've had 21 years of that, knowing how the hell to take care of my health because no one else educated me and I didn't educate myself until uh, I took that responsibility. But straight away, before we even went on our first date, there was that like, hey, I've got Crohn's or hey, like, you know, there was some shit wrong. Um, 
but yeah, you know, you do crazy things for love too, right? Yeah, and I don't know if you're. It's all good if you're not comfortable answering this. I just want to know because um, I know I've found myself in this situation, and a lot of people will find themselves in this situation going into a relationship. Was there any? In your mind, was it there any hint of her wanting to help you or fix you and help you through that situation to give her purpose? I mean, yeah, but she would have done that unconditionally. She was an unconditional lover. I mean, Lauren was just a, a hat off to everything that she had to go through. Not to say that she's perfect either. We're all fallible and I did things and she did things. But in terms of just strictly speaking about this, my God, like, had off like unconditional supporting in every way mentally emotionally physically all of it um so i could not have asked for more no way i could not have asked for more so understanding and so compassionate that's beautiful bro yeah um you touched on being in your ego as well what did you mean by that um i think for me it was a lot of the subconscious ego that comes through of of you have your external world that validates something within you because I never did, I'll, I'll backtrack again and circumvent, but I never bodybuilded uh, because I was vain or, or I, I was insecure or I had small man syndrome and I got fucking bullied and I needed to show, prove something to my, my dad or something, right? Which in I itself just is a fucked up. Which is fucked form. up. And, and, and you know, um, this is going to be a popular opinion, but most people are doing things like this in Vanity mm. 4 is to mm-hmm. look at me and validate that external sense of self-worth. So... Um, for me, it was just, you know, again, I, most people know this. I love Dragon Ball Z. I watched He-Man. Uh, I just had so many, um, uh, you know, being in that kind of theta-absorbing sponge state, I just had all this, these role models that I never got from my father, so I was very gravitated towards that. My father was beautiful in his own right but was never a role model. Um, so I gravitated towards that. Then I bodybuilded, and that then created an identity around who I thought I was and having people say, oh, Mitch, you're the bodybuilder, and you're this and you're that. You're the fucking man, big arms, da-da. So like being in that kind of ego and and being in that sense of self-worth, um, it was never a painful thing, and that's why I bodybuilded, and I was never trying to be good enough. It was just that was my identity, and it would maybe be hyperinflated. But again, even then I look back and I'm like, it wasn't probably that bad. Like I, I, I you know, I, I had my own flaws, I had my own shit to go through, but it was more of a people reaffirming who I thought I was, so to speak. Okay. Yeah, because I still love bodybuilding. I mean, I just trained. Like I'm, I'm glad this podcast doesn't have a smell sensor because I just think like a piece of shit. <laughs> I'll just be sniffing you the whole time anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of like you being this big bodybuilder for a lot of people a lot of young men as well who were chasing that dream of getting big um, and looking like you looked. Did you ever feel like you were enough? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I just fucking like bodybuilding, bro. Like, yeah, this is not some deep thing. I think, I think where the lack comes from, sorry, I would say more of my wound came from is um, coming down in this life and feeling like I have the, the shoes to fill up a protagonist. Um, a protector because you know this stems back to how there was abuse in my family and me as a young child not being able to help or save because physically I wasn't big enough that then uh, I've gravitated towards these big strong men and and that's you know young minds are so impressionable when I saw my, my mentor and good friend Louis um, for the first time in the warehouse at I think 15 I'd, I'd been I'd been told the story before but then flipping burgers saved enough money got my gym membership and the first day, I, I just walk over and I see this guy squatting 260 kilos like it's fucking air. And you imagine just sign me up. I'll do whatever it takes to be that because that was then the link to be that protagonist and to protect and to nurture. But ultimately, that still failed in many ways because it wasn't a deeper part of who I was. And just on that note of you asking so many men and the men that are listening to this, just be really fucking honest with why you're doing what you're doing. Like, no one knows your story better than you. I'm not here to tell you what to say, do or be. You have to, again, shine that torch inwards and realize where is my sense of self-worth coming from? Because if it's from anything outside my skin, even though those things can feel nice and extrinsically motivate us and da-da-da-da-da, I'm talking about where our true deep sense of self lies. And if you are bodybuilding or power, or not so much powerlifting, I'm going to do it for the chicks, but trying to be vain for validation, um, it's something that's been said before, but I'm a firm believer it's someone that has to be said a million times. Please just check in with yourself and do the audit. Um, 
because what good are your muscles if you're unhealthy? What good are your muscles? I got told if you're dead, and that was a huge wake-up call, you know? Dong! <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know you'll be able to give a good explanation for this, but in terms of um, having that check-in with yourself and asking yourself that question, why am I doing this? Am I trying to get big just because I want attention, just because of like some sort of vanity metric? Yeah. How, nah, do, how does someone who has not like practiced mindfulness or any sort of self-awareness go through something like that? Well, the first thing is, is do you even want to do it? Like if it's going to feel like a chore to you, it may be a little uncomfortable and new because as humans, we're wired for familiarity. We, we don't like the unknown. However, if you feel that like sniff, I'm called, the first thing is to just shut the fuck up and listen because people think meditation is some like, um oh, lotus position and i'm just going to drift off and like that's not that at all you can get to those states absolutely uh but that's like trying to be ronnie coleman day one in the gym you've got to start and push shit uphill first and and experience what's there at the staircase up at dalai lama level like so mindfulness is just a simple case of become mindful of what's going on in your most people are completely compulsively owned by their thoughts, unfortunately. Just start bringing, bring again, the torch, the conscious attention to what's going on there. Through that, by not giving it too much power, because you're, you know yourself and your thoughts are, are separate entities, you can then slow that. And I call it like the monkey mind. You can imagine like a rock in the middle of your mind and then a monkey just going, yep, 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 And that's most people, right? Imagine everyone listening right now going, oh, my God, he's talking to me. And just bringing awareness to that to slow it down and allowing it just to place, just to sit on there, to slow the mind down. And that brings those high beta waves that are just constantly, uh, in the society we live in, down to a kind of slower, high alpha. And then through enough practice, you can bring that down into like a theta. And some people can even remain conscious delta, which is like slow, deep brain waves. That's when people are talking about like out-of-body travel and, you know, having all kinds of crazy mystical experiences. So the first, bringing this all back now, that went a bit balls deep. Bringing this all back now, the first thing I would say is just bring your attention inwards. Bring your attentions to what's going on inside. Um, that's where I would start. Then you can usually do guided. That's a beautiful way to step into it too. There are that many apps. There's no excuse if you're interested. You've got free tutorials. You can also pay. Someone's like the six bucks a month. You buy $6 on a coffee. I'm sure you can afford it if it's, if it's important to you. And the net positive benefits of meditation are just so incredible. For me now that I've meditated for, I'm looking at the calendar, I'm like, how old am I? Probably, <laughs> uh, I'm like, how, how old am I? I'm looking at the calendar. Um, uh, for about 10 years, give or take, my life almost feels like a meditation. Like a lot of the, the people that, I'm, that I listen to sometimes that are that, um, out there, We'll say the same thing. Sometimes it comes to a point where you evolve into life being the meditation because you're present, you're aware, and you're seeing just the beauty in something like a leaf falling off a tree. It sounds so stupid, but until you get to that point, you're going to be compulsively owned by your thoughts. And that's why you know it's, it's, people say, I'm a prisoner of my own mind. And yeah, because you're trying to look outwards again. You've got to look inwards and be mindful to that. And that's how you start the practice of meditation. Cool. Episode 75 of Balls Deep with Mitch. <laughs> yeah. um, you, but that's before, a beautiful practice. Before we move on to your dad, one thing you brought up was turning up as this protagonist and this protector. I know you touched on it, but were you lacking that growing up? Like, did you grow up with your father or? Uh, yeah, I, I did. I, I definitely didn't. I, Looking back now, um, it was very much a sense of there was clear talent there. I mean, I worked hard, but how conscious are you sometimes as a child? Uh, in hindsight, I, I was very talented, but I was kind of like good at everything but great at nothing. I was kind of the jack of all trades but master of none. And so just putting myself into different fields and showing up the best I could, I just slowly realized that how I'm feeling inside can affect the world outside and equally so doing things for other people just feels good. And I would resonate with Hollywood movies. And again, the, the Superman, the hero, the Goku, the, these people that will always stand up in the face of evil or always fight for a purpose and a passion of fulfillment. And that, you know, as a child looking back now was a very strong masculine pull because that is 
the, the essence of the masculine energy is direction, is pathway, fulfillment, passion, purpose. And men that are listening again right now, they just feel fucking empty inside, riddled with shame and guilt. I invite you to lean into that. Don't stop running from it. Stop jerking off. Stop, you know, sniffing white powder. Stop sinking piss and, and drowning out your emotions. Really step up and lean in. Um, again, coming back, I had that feeling much most of my life. I was so inspired. So I hold so much like gratefulness and like heart to heart connection for the people that brought that there. And then just through my life, having people that I really aspired to and connected and resonated with that had that same, I'm here to try and serve my people. Um, I think, you know, there's an element of losing myself in that process because very quickly I realize if I keep trying to give and give and give, eventually my cup goes empty. And that again is most people. Because if they have a low sense of self-worth, you're going to constantly try and externally validate that worth and fill other people's cups up. But guess what? If your cup empty, you ain't feeling shit. And people pick up on that. So as you fill your cup, you can then step into a greater role of leadership, of passion, of purpose, of fulfillment, and you can serve better. You just show up better with a bigger cup. You can give more energy, be more authentic, have better conversations. And ultimately, we just live a better experience. That's awesome, man. Uh, seeing as you finally got to that point where you could be this protector and everyone sort of affirmed that you were by you know giving you appreciation because you were this big bodybuilder was it hard to then relinquish that that identity and yeah good question and no what first came up actually was the point where um my really good friend chris started a uh, go me to get me out of like dead and get me back on my feet sorry and... sorry i just need to pre-frame that by saying was it hard to relinquish that because you then turned into a skeleton <laughs> oh yeah, that identity. Yeah, that was that was completely fucked. But I had no choice. I was pushed into that. Most people think most people are like control freaks. And oh, hold on. <laughs> most people have a. They think they have a choice. Well, they do have a choice, and that's why they kind of stay in between of this like internal what they're feeling, but the external identity. For me, I was just forced into Skeletor. So I remember my point of unconditional love and resonance at that was. Straight after surgery, it was like two or three days I was back home, completely liberated, you know, because I'd been, I'd been living in my bedroom in darkness. My, my adrenal glands were so – my nervous system was so shot I couldn't handle light. Even a kitchen light, I'd feel like wow. a vampire. Like, so I was in darkness for six months and then I was in a hospital bed for two or two and a half weeks. So that was absolute liberation and the gratitude download was instantaneous. Coming out of the shower one day and looking in the bag, you know, shitting into a bag and, and just skeletal. Um, I just made so much peace and fell absolutely unconditionally in love with myself higher, um, which enabled me to just come through with just absolute love for, for myself and for the world. Like there's that so within as without. And, um, and I made just peace with every scenario. Like I said, if I look like this for the rest of my life, I'm okay with that. It's the surrendering that most people are tussling with. Again, they're stuck in that suffering and for most things that, you know, whether it's trying to control external variables, realize you're not in control of most of your life. So stop trying to swim upstream, turn onto your back and start flowing with it. Life will flow a lot better for you. So relinquishing my ego in that sense, completely pushed into it and just had to completely let go. I mean, what else do you do? You can, you, again, you can, what else do you do? You can suffer. Yep. <laughs> so I just made a choice. There's, there's only two ways you can go. Step That's up, awesome, lean man. in or continue that poor little me. And, and I, I still empathize with that. I know what it feels like, but that was not me. I, want, I know deep down to light that fire, I had to feel those protagonist shoes, and that's what I've decided to step into. And, and ultimately, it's, it's completely paid off. I could die tomorrow, and I'd be just so happy. Like... <laughs> that's awesome, brother. Um, let's move on to your dad. Are you comfortable talking us through that? Yeah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you want to know again? Do you have a specific question or...? No, I, for me, watching you and especially like communicating with you throughout that process of losing him, that was pretty inspirational for me and opened me up to another line of thought that I hadn't previously considered. So I'm just interested to know personally. And I, I know this will help someone who's going through this process now or has been before yeah for sure and again my heart goes out to anyone that's currently with someone that is just chronically sick and you feel that pool of energy down on you completely resonate heart goes out uh, for the people that have recently lost and are really struggling with the concept of what it means to lose someone um, 
I, I don't want to say, you know, you need to get, uh, the worst thing you can do to someone is obviously get over it and da-da-da-da-da. That, that's absolutely not. It's the complete opposite. It's honour the feeling. But if you dig a little deeper as to why you're feeling this way, and naturally my near-death experience helped me with the idea and the concept of death, uh, because a lot of people do fear the idea of death. They, they just go through life not realising their mortality and the gift, the very cliche gift life actually is, and even to breathe... What a gift, right? Um, and holding an attitude of gratitude is just so imperative for life, which ultimately makes the dying part internal for yourself or external to everyone else around you so much easier because, uh, as Eckhart uh, beautifully says, life is eternal, you know. The only thing that you're guaranteed when you're looking at a baby girl or a baby boy is their death, the funeral. So it's like we live in dualistic worlds. You cannot have one without the other. We're programmed to fight for the white. So when the black comes, it's, oh, and, you know, just for me, that never really sat right after my near-death experience because I realized, for me, this is just complete my opinion, um, most people are, are kind of becoming congruent with it, is that we're just here having a human experience. But off you go. Like, no one can obviously objectively come here. You have near-death experiences and out-of-body travel. End of the day, I think it's just recognizing that you are here to live a very short yet fulfilled 80-somewhat years um, but in the cosmic scale of things, just looking at this like 13.7 year, billion year uh, old universe, we are just so such a tiny speck. And it's just it's not the end of the journey. It's just another journey. Um, nature rapport not having an experience. We are always experiencing us. So that that, in essence, made it so much easier to come to terms with this idea that, yeah, my dad's going to die. My mom's going to die. I'm going to die. My brother's everyone's going to die. It's the only guarantee when you're born. I'd say taxes, but some people avoid that too. So you, you pretty much only got one guarantee in life. And that was the basis. And again, and again with my near-death experience, that was the basis for coming to terms. Uh, I invite everyone. I'm not saying like I didn't cry. Of course I did. And I spent the most beautiful moment I had with my father was uh, his last night on this planet. It was actually the Thursday night. He died Friday afternoon. And it was the first, he was in palliative care at this moment, just, you know, jacked to the gills with morphine. He was just out of pain and, and he was a potato. Um, but it was so nice to just have silence and it was the first time I realized that through all these hospital visits he had hundreds of people coming through the man just lived such an unbelievable life both good and bad and uh, it was the first time that I was with my father in a room where he couldn't talk <laughs> and I just sat there and the, the silence was piercing but it was just equally like a quote-unquote God moment it was just like a holy moment because it was the first time I realized like this is just that one time where I just get to feel into the final moment of this relay, this bond I have in the physical universe with my, what I call my father. He's just another human, just a man that gave life to me. Um, I just completely burst into the most liberating tears. And, you know, whether it's a combination of kind of moving on that from that, whether it's a combination of people struggling because they aren't coming to terms with their own death or the regret of not saying something before that person died and healing a relationship and now carrying the burden of that guilt and shame knowing I cannot do anything to transmute that apart from if I get super spiritual and try to contact them through another realm. And, you know, this is so how genetics part get passed on physically. This is how wounds and trauma get passed on physically. You and I were just talking about this. We don't realize that we're run by the subconscious. So if we bury that emotion, it doesn't matter if you're 67 years old, if, if you're young, guess what? You can still pass that to children 50 years later, all that pain and hurt and regret. You will build up, build up, build up and release if you're not going inside to heal the wounds. So, it's really those two major things that I think are the essence of what I'm trying to say is, one, if you're not willing to face a, the, just the very reality, like why are we so scared of dying? Face that reality in your time, when you feel ready, when it feels right. The second thing is if there are regrets and things that deep down your higher self is saying there's a relationship to heal or at least do your best so you can come to terms and come to peace with it, go fulfill that. Because I got everything out and I have a beautiful man. I just want to make a quick mention to... um. Miroslav, when he was speaking in Byron Bay uh, earlier this year in, in January, he came from a very Croatian stoic family. Whew, show no emotion, very cutthroat. Um, I'm sure there are very Croatians that I love. I'm just, you know, just <laughs> typical stoic. Um, is that he, his mother never showed him love or emotion, and he knew deep down that he wanted to express that. And I think, from memory, don't quote me, um, but his mother was dying of, I think, breast cancer. And you know, in those final moments, he needed to say that something that was just tugging on his soul. And it was just basically, you know, mother, I'm so glad that you are my mother and I love you. And that just like hit home because so often we, you know, men with their dads, we have that relationship of love you, mate. 
yes, you know, da, da, da. and it's very like superficial. So I got off that plane, <laughs> raced to dad's place the next day. You know, he was already terminal at this stage, uh, but still quite conscious. And, and just that was another time I burst into tears and just said, I'm so glad you're my father. I'm so happy that you gave life to me. And just and let that beautiful bond just like simmer and that just the energy was a beautiful and so there was no regret of anything that i had to hold back he knew that that i was his son and that i loved him and that i was so happy for him all the demons he relinquished before he went um the bond that i knew that he loved me and i knew that it was he was just perfectly imperfect um, and he left in such a beautiful sense. Like he relinquished so many of his demons in that moment too. That, that's what death does. Like it pushes you into the real things, the things that matter. That's awesome, man. I think the most yeah. powerful thing from all of that was the fact that you were comfortable feeling into that sort of emotion and tapping yeah. into it. Yeah. Because again, you know, whether it's through external society saying, you know, to, to boys, don't cry, faggot, man up you know, don't express, that's still something that goes on. I, I think it's like evolved, but then I'm like, wow, I'm still hearing it. You know, that just shows the, the depth and the length that we've gone to. Um, and whether that stems from fabric as well of like, you know, men going to war back in World War One, World War Two, they had to put emotions up. They had to leave their families and leave their sons and daughters. So there was that kind of embedded consciousness, if you will, that's kind of being passed on. So feeling is just we're human like why are we trying to pretend we're not human and yeah. why are we trying to pretend that only you know um uh, yaz talks about this a lot about the, uh, the pseudo empowerment the pseudo positivity yes i'm all about positive encouragement and positive force absolutely no question but there is a fine line in between and if we're constantly trying to polarize ourselves on one side we become depolarized and we wonder why we feel so disconnected we wonder why we feel so not ourselves um, there's just such an ironic nature to life and, and, and it's almost like the awakening of once you change the lens and you see through it, that's when you enjoy the game because what else do you have? You can either sit here and suffer or you can take action and realize the only one life you've got, you can check out if you want to. And, and that's a very, very hot topic. Like there were so many philosophers that said you can check out because they were all into karma and reincarnation and stuff like that. But you otherwise only have another option. And I choose the option of stepping up and leaning in and discovering what your life can truly be about and what you can truly accomplish in this time, at this moment, at every moment, and how you can do things for yourself and equally so, so within as without, to, to your brothers and sisters of the world. And that resonates with me because I've got aunties and uncles, um, a sister who is still deeply depressed and traumatized from the loss of my grandmother. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, knowing that you've gone through this process with your father, um, helps me understand a little bit more what they're going through and how yeah. I can help them. So yeah, I think I think most people know they're gonna. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for letting me share. But I think most people know they're gonna die. Most people have come to some. Okay, yep, that's an old person. I'm gonna be that one day. Oh shit, that doesn't feel too good. I think the bigger portion. This is just my opinion. Is that most people live with the regret. We hold onto wounds. We hold, we we say things. We let the cat out of the box. And we might say we're sorry because words are so empty sometimes. Again, I've learned that lesson through my own, obviously, downfalls. Um, they don't do you know, through action and having the real conversations that let those reasons get closure, whatever you want to call it. And so people live with the pain of regret. And most of those tears you see at funerals are regretful, te are regretful tears. I would pretty much bet on it. Of course, just we want to cry. That's a beautiful release. I think that's a very natural thing. And I see so much beauty in crying and the loss of a loved one. Um, and equally so, we talk about how we should celebrate funeral. Once they're gone, let's celebrate the life of this beautiful person that's no longer with us, that has left their legacy, good, bad, ugly, everything in between. They did their best with what they knew. And that's such an easy truth to come with, which allows you then to move on. So I just think the bigger part is a lot of regret and shame that people hold. And again, they just you can see it in their faces, you can see it in their residence, their shoulders are coming forward. It just it builds this really uncomfortable human experience that we've really got to start educating people on, I believe, um, as to why you can't numb this. You really, like, you know, medications and stuff like that can all help and therapy and talking, absolutely. I, I heavily encourage, please go get help wherever you feel right. But really getting to the deeper parts of why you're feeling this. We, we, we're very still in society, symptom focused, you know, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this. Let's get to the deeper part, explore the DNA of that. It's, it's not mystery, it's not esoteric and, you know, how words are coming from, there's going to be a root source. And I think if people just, again, put their conscious attention there, they're going to, it's going to probably be more painful. No shit. We avoid pain. But we're taught that. We're taught avoid pain, avoid pain. It's like, no, pain is a part of life. Accept it. 
the suffering is optional. That's awesome, man. Um, and I think a good thing to highlight there is that even if someone passes away and you still hold regret, you can still work through that just because they passed away doesn't mean regrets with you forever. hundred percent. And I think that's also really important and why, again, the internet's such a beautiful thing because I just want to double on this point is why we're discovering so many things that we through the internet communication can give to the world. Um, I've been in breathwork experiences. I've been in breathwork groups and I've seen people medicine circles, whether it's psychedelics, if you want to dabble in that, whether it's whatever it is, and that's why there's a big movement around the world right now because we've been, you know, so lied to by our, our supposed world leaders about these substances will make you a loopy when in reality, these are what's called entheogenic substances. They connect us to higher, higher powers and, and higher dimensions. And I've heard many times, many, I don't have enough fingers, count hundreds, thousands of people connecting with their loved ones as another way to help, you know, tie that, get closure, find comfort. I've had people had actually funny. I mentioned the breath work. I would actually say anecdotally now, this is just my opinion. I would, I've heard more powerful connection to loved ones through breath work with your own breath than I have with say psychedelics, which is true because most people think, Oh, like, you know, if they have an aversion to psychedelics and they're not ready for that space or that, you know, or it's illegal in your country or whatever, um, they may want to dabble in it and that's absolutely fine. Use your breath. It's your own medicine. Um, find a breath, breath work practitioner and, and really, if you want to face something like that or connect with a loved one or have that kind of intention, there are so many mm-hmm. ways to heal. Even if you don't connect with them, there may be just a beautiful shedding. There may be a beautiful release. Um, and so I just think if you're in that space and you're willing now to step up and move into something, go explore and find what works for you, number one. That's really important to empower the person to make their choices. Um and just, I guess, number two, again, is it, it's always all going to be okay. Like You're always okay at all times. I may not feel that way all the time, but but you are. It's powerful, man. Um, moving on, I guess, to how you are now in terms of relationship. And that fucking warms my heart, so I want to know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, uh, with a beautiful girl. No attachment. It was so funny. I'm just real quick. I was, I was listening to Tony Versich's um, uh, interview with you. And I remember him saying something so powerful. So thanks, Tony. This is really stuck with me, brother. Um, about his new partner, and, and I forgot her name, but you know he's now engaged, I think, and either married or getting married. Yeah. And I remember the one line that I just so resonate now. I was like, "Look, if she fucking leaves me, I don't even care because I'm the best person I can possibly be. Like, I'm just shy with everything. Yeah, it would suck, but you know, I just don't care. So I just so re- I just wanted to say that because I so resonated with it. It's like I'm in a relationship now, and it's just so incredibly beautiful. Um, it, it's a very, very beautiful reference point to previous relationships, of course, and it's a beautiful journey where two individuals just, you know, as two kind of individual vines, just beautifully working together and bouncing off each other. And, and it's, it's a great space to be on. Everyone's, you know, is usually in a great spot initially. Um, but it feels like there's so much depth, um, as you try to really consciously explore how would things be if the rose tinted glasses were off, because that's the lesson you kind of learn. Um, so yeah, it's great, you know, a lot of fun. I'm still me and she's still her and we're just <laughs> lunching together and doing our thing. So we're, we're, we've found that we meld really together in business, physically, um, spiritually, emotionally, intellectually. So just a beautiful partnership and um, we'll just see where the journey takes us. Do you, do you feel like that's come because you weren't actively searching for a partner? Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, for sure. And that's, again, the ironic joke of the life is the more we attach ourselves or push for something, generally the more we repel it. Yeah. Uh, whereas we start to go inwards, do our healings, you know, do as much as we possibly can in, in any time frame. Or even so, it's like I'm still healing. I just mean the, the deeper stuff of the internal world. Um, but there's just so many beautiful healings you can get from being with someone. And that's a really important message to to remember is that we can be taught so much about ourselves through a relationship. Um, so that's been a great experience too. What, what was your question? I feel like I just had a potato moment. What was your question before? Uh, just then? Did you just forget as well? Yeah. I feel like I went on a bit of a tangent and then I forgot what you said. But anyway, it's a, it's a beautiful relationship. I listen where, too where... much. <laughs> um, we're just having a lot of fun. You know, a lot of fun. I think you said something about my uh, – I lost it. Uh, um, the fans are screaming at the screen he said this <laughs> it's gone right into the, the comments guys yeah <laughs> um, in terms of this relationship how are you showing up differently to previous ones 
Yeah, beautiful question. Um, just knowing yourself and really stepping into the role that feels right. Yeah. That ticks a lot of boxes where your energy resonance, okay, like Bruce Lipton, for that's interested in Bruce Lipton, and, and again, he has brought this to my attention of, of constructive um, interference. Yes. Of like when two energies come in together and they boost each other up, they bounce up each other. And most people do in the initial phases. But again, going deeper into that as to why, exploring the why, whether how do you relate on a human level, how do you relate intellectually, how do you relate emotionally, what are your standards, what are your values, having that kind of energy align, um, you know, yeah, that's what's made, I think, most of it work so well initially and why it feels so great. That's um, awesome. Yeah. And I think I've just put your question again. They haven't said a stroke. Yeah. How have you shown up differently, my man? Yeah, thank you. Sorry. Oh, my goodness. Four o'clock. I'm about to knock off. Um, Just the masculine energy, hard. You know, I did so much masculine work on myself. It's kind of a word that's thrown around, but it it is, you know, genuine work that needs to be done. The way boys are initiated into manhood, there's not a clear, we're not taught it in school. It's very rare here on, if at all, on, on mainstream or through the mainstream news, that kind of stuff. And I don't think we're always taught the most appropriate things or it's very Hollywood-esque and it's not realistic. Um, there are plenty of beautiful things to be done. And, and again, this is why parenting is such a, an amazing and responsible role because you have to be so conscious of what values you pass to your child. And I was not taught a lot of those, those things. So learning those lessons and now showing up in a way where I'm stepping into my masculine and I have my partner saying, I feel so feminine around you, like completely polarized. Um, I feel that protagonist within myself. I feel like the nurture of protector. I'm so much say nurture, I say more protector, um, and and very directional. You know, it's the essence of the man is very directional, like a ship. The women more like the ocean. That's why they feel so much, and they're so whole and, and such. You know, hold such, uh, I guess, polarization between their moods because that is the feminine. They hold space for all things. Um, or again, men very you know mission orientated and pathway orientated. So I feel like I'm showing up in that space. It feels extremely aligned. It's extremely healthy, um, and ultimately, again, we're just having fun in that in that process and in that space. Fuck yeah. It yeah. makes me happy. <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> love you. I love you too, man. Uh, okay. Let's get into what you're doing now. Um, if you can, I guess, give a summary of like your men's circle and what you're doing with your retreats. Yep. So it kind of, I, I was never actually told it was okay to be a jack of all trades and master of none. And, and I am refining the process, but I love spreading myself everywhere. I'm like, there are some people that grow up and they just know they need to be a marine biologist and they're, you know, for 50 years and that's great. Most people change careers anyway too, but I just feel like the career I'm in, I'm constantly spreading myself and I love it um, because so many fundamental things still transpire through those things, whether it's communication, love, connection, health and wellness, whatever it might be. So that's ultimately now led me to still doing a lot of one-on-one coaching, you know, 12 years now ongoing. Uh, whether it's like health, gym coaching? Uh, a bit of everything again, and because of my experience, and obviously I have a, a bit more of a, a strong tug towards health and wellness, um, it, it transitioned from sports performance, physical fitness, bodybuilding, now into health and wellness. It's obviously my, my, my deeper passion, um, helping people with, with, with ailments and chronic um, symptoms. Um, so I do that in the sense of the one-on-one stuff. Um, holding yeah, men's and women's circles, that's something a bit more infrequent, what's something I think is really needed. Men, and I, I'm not heavily drawn to women, but I love working with women. Um, but I think there needs to be more brotherhoods around. I think it's, again, lacking in society. It's starting. Like, we're, we're seeing it. I mean, it's not all doom and gloom. But I definitely feel to be drawn to be a part of that is to hold circles for men, allow a safe space, to do some deep dive work, um, really understand who they are, why they feel lost, why they feel confused, where they're holding their shame, um, and, and really just coming with absolute ferocity and courage to, to face off with themselves. So I do that as well. And then Yasmin and out. <clears throat> Like I was saying, we, we molded really well, just so fluent with retreats. I've been wanting to do retreats for a thousand years. And I mentioned this like two years ago and finally, like it's coming to fruition. So we're in retreats. Um, uh, we've got our first four in September, October and early November um, in Bali. And we're doing both men's and women's. Um, I'm primarily obviously going to hold space for the men. We have facilitators coming in as well. Yasmin to hold space for the women. Um, and then equally we'll have that, that polarized um, um work that we do with each group and it's going to look, be a beautiful way to unplug from the matrix who doesn't love a holiday we're going to be beautiful like we've, we've spent hundreds of hours deciding the, the perfect villas um you're pampered you're massaged you got the best food you're training you're doing yoga meditation and you're doing just a lot of authentic no bullshit work where we create a beautiful safe space for you later to open up because that's the that's the problem we live in such a harsh society sometimes 
people don't feel safe to open up. That first time you shine a lot of image, you go, ah, you my closet's that dirty, you know? I knew it stank like shit, but I didn't think it was that bad. I'm just joking. <laughs> but but no, we, we, we want to allow that space for people to, again, feel like they're super comfortable, feel like they can just be human, like they can give themselves the permission to be human. Because whether you're a man or a female, we all experience pain in some way, shape or form. We'll experience liberation, freedom, sadness, happiness, all in our own perceived ways. So that's pretty much, yeah, the coaching side of things, the closed circles and also retreats. And uh, I'm just absolutely loving it. It's we're we're looking into Yasin and I were doing looking doing more speaking and more speaking gigs. Um, I love public speaking. I think of a super powerful and authentic message that I, I would love to spread to my brothers and sisters. So that's good. just in the <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> so are you. It was only three months ago. I'll see you up there. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, yeah, very natural. You were great. Um, and again, you know, just shining the torch on you real quick. Sorry to embarrass you, but you know, just having this experience with you and what you're doing now is super amazing. So I commend you for all you're doing as well. And I think you've created something so beautiful for men and women um, to inspire. It's like the people that have really done the work to then help the people that are on that journey. You know, we're always on a journey, but it's like trans uh, uh, going from that place of kind of low, uh, if you call it low calibration, low vibration, really a lot of apathy, shame, guilt, and all these things to then really doing what's required, whatever they resonate with. And part just primarily is talking and opening up quite literally. So I just want to say, yeah, thank you too. And uh, yeah, next year, like I said, yeah, thank you. And yeah, next year, just like I said, more speaking gigs, a bit more travel, discovering this crazy organic spaceship that we're living on, flying through space um, and just having fun in the process. I'm not here to prove anything and a bit of a tangent now, but I think that's again where a lot of men and and sometimes women now too uh, get caught up in that. I've got to be more, do more, hustle more, grind more. And once you realize, you just go, for who? And when you realize maybe you have this false sense of happiness or identity that allows you to again to come back and go, shit. And you hear this all the time, people having midlife crises and realizing, oh, I was a lawyer for 10 years, but really I wanted to be a vet or, you know, play with, you know, be a soccer dad coach, like whatever whatever it is. So just I'm enjoying the journey. And I invite everyone to really audit again. I mentioned this prior, but, but audit yourself and really ask yourself, if I'm not enjoying this journey, what are the real things just bit by bit that I need to do to start enjoying it? Um, yeah. Awesome, man. Uh, a couple of questions before we wrap up. Sure. I want to be respectful of your time, man. Yeah. What are some of the tools that you implement to help you, I guess, cultivate this level of self-awareness and vulnerability? Go have a near-death experience. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Uh, look, uh, um, you don't need a disaster to wake you up. Um, many, many people have said that, and it's true. You absolutely do not. It's just the decide, and it usually comes from that deeper why. Um, so, again, I, I just, I'll shift the focus back, but I want to just to really hold space for really get to the fundamental reasons as to why you're experiencing what you experience. Because if it's great, keep going. You know, Don't reinvent the wheel. If you're struggling a little bit, push into that. You know, If you're struggling a lot, and you have a lot, so much shame and, 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 and apathy and all these anguish, seek help. You know, we are, we are so much better when we're brothers and sisters aligned, but we hold so much shame asking for help. We, we feel so guilty for the act of asking for help. But you ask, you know, when someone asks you, just flip, flip it. When someone asks you for help, what do you feel like doing? You feel like helping them. It's no different. It's no different. And if people aren't willing to help you, that's okay, you know. Um, in terms of cultivating things, so that's, again, <laughs> near that experience, don't recommend it. Um, daily practices, man. Again, people get so caught up in the destination of things or the fantasy of things. Um, this, this constant distance between, oh, that then, there, over there. And it's like, man, it's right inside at every moment. You can sit in that chair right now and take 10 deep breaths and just, just check in, you know, you really be a conscious attention to your being. I mean, how many times throughout the day we catch ourselves or getting into a car, we arrive somewhere and go, I don't even fucking remember the drive. Just completely asleep. My eyes are open, but I'm completely asleep. So conscious attention to your life at those 16 hours in the day, um, eating whole, mostly plant foods, um, having a little bit of uh, chocolate or having a little bit of your, uh, um, uh, your guilty pleasures, your kryptonites or wine, a bit of meat, eggs, whatever you enjoy. Um, but most people, are, we're the most fiber deficient country in the world, in, in Australia, if, if your audience is um, international. So more fruits and vegetables, more whole plant foods, get your fiber, get your antioxidant. Like this is a physical body. If you get it, make it to 80 and you're doing 
three square meals a day, uh, three, yeah, three square meals a day, it's about a thousand meals a year. It's about 80,000 meals. You don't think that has an influence on your anxiety, depression, way you're feeling, your, your weight, your, how you feel about yourself. Your food is, is your friend, you know, not your enemy. Um, so food being a big one. Um, multiple practices, just obviously exercise. I feel like I'm saying the most obvious things, but again, it's the action of doing these things. It's the, it's the daily bricks, not that I'll start my diet on Monday or I'll start January 1st. Again, we think that motivation to do these things and be like this comes from external validation or extrinsic outside things. Um, it's the standards we hold for ourselves. If you want better standards, you need to change something. You know, Einstein quoted many times, people living their lives, doing the same thing over and over again, having the same experience and expecting a different result. Brother and sister, you got to change your shit up. <laughs> like small little incremental things. Because if we try to do too much, and there's one other point I want to uh, harp on about, is, um, is if we do too much, we get overwhelmed. And then we just do nothing at all. We go, oh, fuck, it's too much. And that's why small incremental changes, just like you build a house, you lay a Rio. And then it's one brick and then the next and the next and the next. And sooner or later, you got a house. It's not a stick of the fingers. Um, so there's that. The other thing that I had this conversation the other day, coming again down to this idea of daily practices and daily efforts and daily honoring yourself, is we are so externally exposed to other people's lives. If this was even 150 years ago before you could fly in a tube around the world, before you had a mobile phone, before there was even electricity, you didn't have a lot of exposure. We had our problems back then but you didn't have a lot of exposure to other people's lives. So there was more, I imagine, work on the self and communities. Now in this fabric of society, in the structure that we hold, we are constantly exposed to, well, Sally's got bigger tits than me, so I need this. And John's got a bigger dick than me. And Michael has a better job. And Steve's got a better car. And, you know, Hannah has better this. And we are constantly then have this comparative analysis that is externalized, obviously, versus internalized. And again, that polarity of realizing We've got to stop looking out and start looking in because as we change that inner terrain, the outer terrain changes. Um, so coming back and circling around with all of this, daily habits that feel right for you, yoga, meditation, breath work, swimming on the beach, going for a walk, having this, having that, extra smoothie, whatever it is, we have so much information at our fingertips, we almost have no more excuses to either seek help, learn more, do more, be more. Yeah. At the place we're comfortable with, at the pace that feels right, at the pace that feels most aligned, decisions based on our heart and our mind together, not based on some you know, trauma, some subconscious programming, some external validation, really bringing it back to ourselves. Because again, everyone listening to this is I. We are all we. I am me and you are you. It's all the same. We always refer to ourselves as the I. Yeah. We're all chasing the same things. So really bring it back to yourself i don't want to say yeah go do 20 minutes of yoga I say bring it back to yourself that's a bigger message because then it allows you the empowered choice to come from within and that's most important that's awesome man and changing that inner terrain to change what's on the outer that's Definitely. um something i realized yesterday actually i posted like for someone i was at a cafe posted for people to turn up if they wanted to have a chat Oh, yeah. and, and someone turned up and what I realized while I was talking to him is that I've done so much work on myself and become so self-aware um, that I've changed that inner terrain so much that mm. now I don't feel a need to validate myself by turning whatever they say into a cool story about me. It's like I can just sit there and listen because I'm so comfortable with myself. That's Definitely. fucking epic. And that's why... I Again, like I was saying before, sometimes the most healing thing is just to talk. Because if you've been bottling it up, we're being in this constriction phase. Get it out, cry, get pissed off, go scream, go do whatever you got to do. That's amazing because it just goes to show the power of one conversation. We feel helpless again with whether it's a comparative analysis or the fact that there's 7.6 billion people. We just think, what's what's me doing this one thing going to do? Well, it matters because if you did it and no one else did it, you'd be the only one that does it, and it's also part one of the whole. Doesn't matter whether the population is 100 humans or 10, 100 trillion. Your choices matter. Your decisions matter. Um, you know, we are energy beings moving through this flux of this dimension, and everything you do and every way you show up, it matters. It absolutely matters. Okay. Last question, man. Yeah. What are you most grateful for right now? Just being alive, man. Yeah. Just every single time people ask that, and look, uh, cliche. 
again, I would ask everyone if, if, if you're in that such that turmoil victim mentality, I understand, I empathize and I totally get it because the commonality is no one will understand me. Okay, sure. I get it, but perhaps I'll just invite you. I would invite you just to try explore the inside nature of yourself and have gratitude for everything you have. Have gratitude for both the black and the white. Your light and your dark, your left and your right. This is just a dualistic world. And once we really comprehend what that means, we then allow ourselves to turn back to balance and harmony and ease. Um, so for me, again, the gratitude practice is such a simple, it's free. It doesn't cost you a cent. Um, you know, the breath can do that too, really get you out of your head and back to the present moment and just be so grateful for everything that you have. Um, losing a colon sucks. Being raped sucks. Losing a leg sucks. Losing your job sucks. We all experience pain. It's whether we're willing to face that pain and heal it and learn the lessons and move on with the continuous force of this thing called life, this human experience. So gratitude is a, such a pivotal tool that can be used in that process to be, thank you, pain. Thank you, failure. Thank you. You know, sounds like a bit of a kitty thing, but again, in reality, it's just reprogramming how we perceive our relationship with failure or how we perceive our relationship with darkness and bad. And ooh, you know, if you see a ghost, walk right up to it and say hi. <laughs> I, I won't, but I, I give nah. you. <laughs> Pussy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll shit myself. <laughs> Man up. See what I did there? Just joking. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> to wrap up, brother, I want to acknowledge you, first of all, making the time to do this, but. Thank like you. obviously as a friend just watching you um just continue to grow and expand and take what you know and teach it to both men and women now it's it's fucking empowering it's inspiring and i'm just super grateful to have you in my life so thank you thank you and stand back to you those words are really received brother and i hope you receive in the exact same way what you're doing is absolutely incredible you're opening the hearts and minds of so many people to just keep on going no matter how dark things seem to keep on going thank you man have a good day eh? we'll catch up soon love you bros love you bro bye bye